I'm a big fan of the 18 bracket rather than the 12 team. Uh, but that's just me. But uh, the powers to be and the, the, the smart people will get together and they'll come up with a plan. Uh, but it will change the landscape of, of college football. Uh, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, I mean, we have that with the, uh, the FCS teams, but now you're talking about the Power Five conferences. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's going to be hard. I mean, it's... And that is Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American Georgia tight end, and he played 10 years in the National Football League. Troy, one of the regulars here on the podcast, and this is the Philip Jordan Podcast. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from last tournament college football, 96.9 The Legend, Dustin Alabama, where I'm an in-studio host and producer for Dustin Woods Football. Thank you for checking out this week's edition of the show. Uh, we will have Troy on in a little bit, talk about a bunch of different things. Uh, and in a cool event Troy is going to be at on June 26th. So we'll talk about all that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Troy's uh, time there at Georgia. And we'll, we'll more Georgia football talk. Troy was on the podcast last month, brought him back on. I always enjoy, like I said, having Troy Sadowski here on the show. Of course, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, over at Blue Wire Hustle. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show and uh, remember you can always uh, reach me on social media especially on twitter at p jordan sec i always love talking to you guys and uh, also you can email me at sports talk phil jordan at gmail.com before i jump into my conversation with troy sadowski uh, i'm going to talk about the biggest story going on in college football right now and that is the 12 team playoff that looks to be coming our way by 2023 uh so a lot of people get excited about it, but you know we, we still that's not here yet. There's contracts involved, and they can't have that yet. So, I'm not a fan of the 12 team playoff. I'll be honest with you, and I I said so much on on Twitter last week when that was the hot story. Um, I think it takes away from the regular season, and some people say, "Well, there'll be more meaningful games at the end of the year." But it's kind of like the NFL. I didn't like when the NFL expanded to uh, 14 teams. I didn't. I think it takes away value from the regular season. And college football's big thing is every game matters. And, yes, I mean, every game still does matter. I know that. I'm, I'm full aware of that, that there's going to be big games and at the end of the year teams trying to for playoff positioning. And as the guy here, that my Twitter handle is PJordanSCC. You'll say, you must be excited there could be four, maybe five SEC teams could get in in a given year. Look, that's great, too. I just don't want to see a three-loss national champion. And people say, what's the likelihood of that happening? You get the right team hot at the end of the year? That could happen. And and other people will say, well, they're not going to put a three-loss team in there. You get USC, get hot at the end of the year. See if they don't go in at nine and three or ten and three. Let's see, you know, we'll see that USC's gonna get in there. That's money. That's, I mean, this is what this thing's about too, creating more money, revenue. Which, with everything that happened, you know, of course, with COVID, a lot of these athletic programs they need money. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of cuts that happened because of that. So, I understand it from a financial standpoint. Like this is gonna bring in money because ESPN is probably gonna pay out 
so much money to get this thing or whoever gets it. I'm putting my money on ESPN getting it because look, let's face it. We go to ESPN for college football. That's just where we go. This is NFL or, you know, the pro sports be different, but I'm just, I'm not a fan. There, there, there's some things about this. I don't like, and I'm just being honest here. I do not want to see a three loss team in the playoff. I do not want to see them have an opportunity to win a national championship game, uh, national championship. Because I just don't think their season merits it. I mean, in college football, national championship have one loss. I know LSU had the two losses back in 07, but it's generally speaking undefeated one loss. That's what we expect. And, and then, you know, when you look at this thing, too, with 12 teams, the same teams, the teams that would win, obviously, in the 14 playoff, they're going to be there. The best teams are still going to win. The dominant teams are still going to win. But you never know you catch a hot team. Georgia. The way they were playing toward the end of last year with JT Daniels when he took over a quarterback, winning those last four games, the offense was humming. The game against Cincinnati and Cincinnati, teams like that would get an opportunity too. So I'll give my thoughts there in a second. But a team like Georgia got hot at the end of the year with two losses. Who say they couldn't? Hadn't made a run in a playoff if there was a 12-team playoff for 2020. Of course, Texas A&M would have got in. Florida, which – Kyle Pitts and all the receivers that decided to quit on Kyle Trask and not play in the bowl game, uh, they would have been there. So that would have been a different uh, a scenario as well. And then, of course, though, this does give opportunities to the smaller schools, like a Coastal Carolina could get in now, a Cincinnati, way back when Central Florida. So other teams are going to get opportunities, yes. And, and that part I'm a little excited about. See how they do against the big schools, and then we can kind of put those debates and arguments to rest. But just a twelve team. I'm just, I, I just don't like. It. I think that's too big of a jump. Four to eight or four to six would have been fine if that's what you want to do. But going from four to twelve, I'm just not a fan of. And then just the kind of way they're doing things here, the six highest conference champions, six at large, that's fine. The four highest ranked conference champs. But here's here's an issue I have. So you'll have a first round seats five through twelve. They'll seat them that way. You'll play. You'll have five play 12 6 play 11 7 play 10 and 8 play 9 and then i'm sure there's going to be great debate over 8 and 9 because the first round the higher seed gets a home game and that's going to be fun i'll admit that a playoff game at these stadiums at these campuses will be fun but what is the incentive to be a top four seed i mean you get a bye and you don't have to play as many games to get to the championship game. But here's the kicker. After the first round, which the four top seeds do not play in, they go to neutral sites. Because, you know, we all know college football, let's, heaven forbid we upset the bowl people. Uh, the bowl games are kind of are, are, are turning useless, in my opinion. But we can't upset those people. We still got to have these games at bowl sites. You know, so... Last year, let's just say, let's use 2020 as an example. You had Alabama as number one, and you had Clemson as a two, had Notre Dame in there, and then you had Ohio State. And I got a seating wrong enough, but those are four teams. None of those four teams would get a home game. What's the incentive? What's the incentive of being a top four? Maybe it could be Alabama playing Florida in the SEC championship games. Hmm, I want to get a home game. Oh, they wouldn't do it. I'm just saying. It is kind of stupid. You can't have a game in Tuscaloosa or you couldn't have one at Death Valley at Clemson or 
up, you know, Ohio State couldn't have one. Notre Dame couldn't have one. All these teams, all those top four seeds, don't get a home game. That's just stupid. I'm sorry. I don't like it. That's that's a bad way of going about it. If you're going to go to neutral site, now I get the neutral site with the semifinals and the national championship game. Honestly, I think you should get rid of the neutral site if you're going to do this whole 12 team playoff neutral site at the semi semifinals. But you got to especially appease the Rose Bowl. I mean, let's don't upset those people either. But that that's just where that's one thing. That's really, 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 really. A, a flaw in this system. Now, I do have this is this is Philip Jordan's idea. If you can't give those four teams a home game in the second round, here's my idea to give incentive. Look, everybody's going to go undefeated, so that whole incentive thing. Especially like, what you know, you think he's going to lose on purpose at the end? No, I do not think that. That was just a saying. But out there, you know. What's your reward for being a top four seed? You never get to play at home. But if they wanted to make things interesting, and listen to me, and let me make sure I'm really speaking into the microphone when I say this, I do believe a great idea would be let those four teams pick who they play in the next round. That is your advantage. Sure, Alabama, you say, huh, Cincinnati, and I'm probably about to eat. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much based in the southeast. I, don't, I think I'm pretty safe saying that. Cincinnati, they got out of that first round. Let me play them. Or Coastal Carolina. I know I'm picking on the non-Power 5 here, but I'm just saying. Or Texas A&M. We know Nick Saban and Alabama has owned them. I mean, the, the games aren't close when these two teams play. So that would be an interesting thing for me. Maybe if they would do that. If they would give the top four seeds in the next round. Okay, we pick who we're playing. But I still think it's just kind of crazy that those teams will not get a home game. But it's coming. It's going to happen. And look, we will get more games. So that that will be fun. We'll get some interesting matchups in the first round. I mean, I don't think it's going to change who's going to win the title. It doesn't matter. There's been years we didn't need four. Be honest. We definitely are going to have years we're not going to need 12. Um, and in debate, we'll still, we'll still go on. Who Whoever thought... You know, comes in like 13, 14. They're going to say, oh, well, I should have been 12. Uh, you'll still get the debate. Like I said uh, a few months ago, the the fight over 8 and 9. Who gets that home spot? 9 is going to think they're better than 8 and stuff like that. But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting when it gets here. It's not here now. I think a lot of people are getting excited about something that's not going to be here yet. Uh, but it will be it will be interesting. Uh, when uh, when this thing has happened, because it's coming, it, it, it's coming. I mean, I, it's it's one of the things, and it's kind of you know you kind of saw it coming with some of the things that some people were complaining about. And I'm gonna close this segment on this. I will say this: I always thought the 14 playoff was a raw deal or a bad deal for the Power Five because there's five of you. And Notre Dame. So there's six in there. So you're guaranteed two of you aren't getting in. Notre Dame and one of the other ones. And then you have a situation, okay, if Notre Dame gets in, two conference champions or conferences are not getting in. And then like when you had in 2017, when Alabama and Georgia both from the SEC get in, another situation where you had Notre Dame was one of the teams getting left out because they weren't good enough that year. And then you get two other Power Five conferences, they get left out. 
So I was always thinking you should have went with six the start, have, you know, potentially five conference champions, which I know some people wouldn't like that, which I wouldn't either because every team's better. But I'm just saying in theory, in theory here, we're just saying you would get five conference in from the Power Five and you get your large team. So I always thought that was a bad idea. You know, okay, we're going to sign a deal where at least one of us is going to be out, but maybe two or maybe three. Get two SEC teams in, Notre Dame gets in. So um, I'm always sitting here complaining about the college football playoff. I know people who's listened to me a long time know I'm, I'm kind of make a habit of that. But anyways, um, I'm going to take a quick break, and uh, which you guys won't notice it because the interview is going to hit right now. But anyways. Uh, let's bring on Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American tight end for Georgia Bulldogs. The first ever All-American tight end for the Georgia Bulldogs and 10-year NFL veteran. Uh, let's talk some football with Troy. Everybody joining me on today's episode of the podcast, a friend of the show, always, uh, Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American Georgia tight end. And something I've been talking to all these years, three years now, Troy, I did not, and I feel bad that I just now realized this today, that you are the first All-American tight end for the University of Georgia and 10-year NFL veteran, but Troy, it is, it is always great to have you on the show and uh, talk football with you. Well, let me start off by saying thank you for having me again. Uh, it truly is a pleasure uh, to be on your show, and yes, uh, I was the University of Georgia's first All-American tight end, uh, and uh Vince Dooley's first All-American tight end, so uh, that's quite an honor. I had the opportunity to talk with Orson Charles the other day, and he is the University of Georgia's second tight end uh, that made All-American, so uh, he was up doing an autograph signing, and I had a, uh, 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 a friend of mine uh, have him sign one of the helmets, so I'm going to sign it, he'll sign it, and then That'll be a, the only helmet that I know in existence uh, with the University of Georgia's two All-American tight ends. Yeah, you know, you bring up uh, Olson, Olson Charles, and uh, you know that, that brings up something that we're going to talk about here to kick off things. Is you know one of the reasons why I have you on the show. Uh, the uh, CM Sports event is going to be going on in Warner Robins, Georgia, on June 26th. Uh, autograph signing. Uh, so uh, just, you know, for you, and I get, you know, this kind of, you actually already answered one of my questions there. But uh, how often or how many of these things have you have you been able to do, you know, uh, with these autograph signings? Uh, I've done a handful. Uh, a lot of times it, it doesn't fit into my schedule with uh, work, so it's difficult to do that because my uh, work week is a little bit different from most people's work week. Uh, typically, I'm working on weekends, so uh, that's when all these autograph signings are, so I have been unable to participate in them. But this one uh, is, is very unique. Um, I had the opportunity to, uh, the owner of CM Sports uh, had contacted me, and um, we've been uh, working on putting this together and there's a lot of people that have been uh, helping him out. Uh, Wes Odell from uh, JW Sports up in Chatsworth, Georgia, uh, has been really uh, instrumental in helping out uh, John Clayton. And there's been a handful of other uh, people that have been involved in this. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a quality uh, outing. 
uh, and I think that everybody it'll be it'll be a good time for all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of inter- interesting names, the guys that's going to be there. Uh, Otis Nixon, uh, or uh, Atlanta Braves fans remember that name. Uh, John Davis, four-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, Caleb King, another uh, Georgia great. Uh, Martrez Milner. Uh, Danny Ware, who uh, people also hear on that episode of the podcast as well. Former running back, Odell Thurman. Uh, Danelle Nixon, Lars Tate, uh, Chaz Little, and of course yourself. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, people who are fans of sports in the state of Georgia, they really there's a lot of names there they all should be familiar with. So it's going to be uh, pretty cool having all you guys together there in one day. Oh yeah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we've had the opportunity to play with Lars and block for him, and uh, uh, blocked a, a lot of top sweeps for him. <laughs> And what a lot of people don't know, I mean, he's number six on the all-time rushing list at the University of Georgia with over 3,000 yards uh, and then uh, 36 TDs. So uh, he's a thoroughbred. Yeah, and, you know, for people wanting to go check it out, too, I did not say where at. It's going to be in Warner's Robin, Georgia at the Kerry W. Martin Conference Center. Uh, the autograph part is 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, there's a card show also going on from 9 a.m. 3 p.m. Got some good sponsors there. Uh, Middle Georgia Sports Cards and Collectibles, the Ulf Team, and Bojangles. So uh, it, that that is that is just that is a great day for a sports fan just to uh, to you know come get autographs and um, like I said meet some great athletes uh, in the process. And uh, you, know, you said you've done a few of these before. Like what, what's always the thing that uh excites you or you look forward to most when you get to go to these things that there are people out there that actually uh want my autograph (laughs) (laughs) um well i just i mean because it it was so long ago and it really is a a humbling experience to uh, have somebody come up and and they want uh you to autograph their picture i mean because um it's been so long ago there's been so many players uh, that have come on uh, since I played, and it's just very humbling that uh, people still remember uh, what you did uh, when you were at the University of Georgia and in the National Football League. So that part of it is exciting, and I always love an opportunity to, to tell stories. I've always told everybody I've got premium football stories. You know, like I said, you know, everybody listening to this. Uh, Looking forward to that. And you talk about your career. And, you know, me and you have talked before. And, you know, I, I always, you know, usually I ask, you know, about your college or your pro career. And, we, you know, the first time you were on, you, you went in deep, deep detail about your uh, playing career. But kind of for people out there, you know, maybe uh, haven't heard or maybe checking this out on the CM Sports Facebook page, uh, you know, getting to know you a little bit, you know, your Georgia career. Like I said, 1988, you know. Uh, you were a uh, All American tight end, first All American tight end for the Georgia Bulldogs. But uh, when you look back at your Georgia career, like what what really uh, stood out for you? The opportunity to block for some great running backs. Uh, one of the things that I always look at is that uh, when I was there, we had guys like Lars Tate, Tim Worley, Keith Henderson, Rodney Hampton. Uh, just a lot of running backs and it was a uh, it's probably difficult as a coach to to give them all carries i mean i mean how do you who do you hand the ball off to i mean they were all great running backs and uh that was probably one of the most 
things that, that sticks out to me is that blocking for those types of running backs that could have played for anybody in the country, and a lot of them went on and had uh, good NFL careers. So that's probably uh, the thing that, that sticks out most to me, especially because we ran a lot behind the tight end and off the tight end around the uh, tall sweep. So uh, that was one of our bread-and-butter plays. So that was, uh, to me, was just as important or just as exciting uh, is catching a touchdown pass, is, is throwing a block that broke the running back for a touchdown. Yeah, and of course, you know, you were there the final four years of Vince Dooley, and, you know, 1988 was his last year's head coach there at Georgia. You know, and how was it when you look back at that, knowing you were part of that final team for Coach Dooley? Well, it was, it was quite an honor. Uh, great coach great friend uh, still is to this day uh, when he comes in uh, Woodstock Georgia he typically has a, a holiday autograph signing uh, with his books and things and uh, we take the time out uh, as a family to go up there and uh, sit down with him and talk to him get a chance to see him again uh, but um, just a great coach overall uh, and like I said, a great friend, and it truly was it was an honor a couple a little over a year ago to go back and them to name uh, Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. Uh, that's quite an honor. I uh, was actually surprised that it lasted that long without giving that honor to him. But that to be a part of that uh, was really special. You know, and, and you know, going to Georgia too. I mean, it's I'm sure it's so much different, or at least you know, it's more public now with recruiting and everything. Uh, what was it like? You know, your your recruitment to Georgia. Uh, I, I vaguely remember. I mean, it was so long ago. Um, it was always number one on my list. Uh, my mother was a graduate of the University of Georgia. My high school football coach Jim Cagle played football at the University of Georgia, so. Uh, I guess you could say I had Georgia on my mind, uh, but it was, uh, my mom, uh, had developed breast cancer and it was very important for me to stay close to home. Uh, so it would be an easier trip for her to and from games. So, uh, it, it was hands down Georgia all the way. Is, is there a game when you look back at your, your Georgia career that, that really sticks out? Uh, it was probably uh, the game over at Auburn where uh, I did catch a touchdown pass, but uh, we beat them there, and it ended up uh, when they turned the, the fire hoses or the water hoses on our fans to try to get them, keep them up in the stands and get them off of the field. Uh, that was probably one that will always stick out in my mind. Oh, that's that's a good one. Hey, the Auburn Georgia rivalry, uh, one of the, absolutely the oldest in the Deep South, but uh, obviously one of the best in college football. Uh, still, it, I, I'm still not getting used. To, I know it's this is be year two. I'm looking at a schedule and seeing those two playing in October. That just doesn't doesn't seem right as someone that's been following SEC my yeah, whole life. I, get, I I can understand that. I mean, it, it is odd, uh, but uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that uh, Georgia Clemson. Uh, rivalry is going to be kicked back up. That was one that was always on the schedule because uh, every year that I was there, and it was the big game. 
the schools are very, as far as the crow, the crow flies, were very close to each other, uh, and they were always great games. And I anticipate uh, this year is going to be the same. Yeah, I was talking with somebody last week on the show, uh, Matt Lowe from Lindy Sports, and we were talking about that game. We were talking about Georgia, and we got talking about the importance of the Clemson-Georgia game. And, you know, just from our standpoint, we looked at it that the game may be more important for Georgia, you know, maybe than Clemson because, you know, you look at who Georgia's got on the schedule this year. I mean, you're in the SEC. You may have to play Alabama SEC championship game. And then, you know, obviously there seems like there is a lot of expectations for Georgia going into the season. Then you look at Clemson, look – no offense, but they play in the ACC. They should run through that schedule if everything works like it's supposed to. So, I mean, for you, you know, some obviously that played the game and it just, you know, that big of a game to kick off the season. In your opinion, it, it, is that game, is that one where it's probably a bigger game for Georgia than maybe Clemson? I mean, I know they're all big, but just when you look at, you know, the grand scheme of things, maybe down the road. Oh, I would say yes, it probably is more important with Georgia. I mean, Clemson's had success within their conference, but they've also won a national championship, something that Georgia is, is still uh, running after. And it, it, it's the Georgia-Clemson game to start off the season, it always set the tone for the season. Uh, and I think that's going to be the same now. I think the I think it's going to be a great football game. I think that the winning team uh, will probably have an edge when it comes to the uh, possibility of a eight team or a twelve team playoff uh, making that 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 playoff. So um, I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm looking forward to it. You mentioned that. It looks like in a, a year or two we're going to be seeing a 12-team playoff. I think they still got to do some voting and stuff like that. And it won't be this year. We won't have that this year. But uh, when you heard when you heard the news that you know that we're you know year two we may be having a twelve team playoff you know moving on from the four, uh, what, what what were your initial thoughts? You know, th- so many things have changed within college football. We would never have thought that they would have had a transfer portal, uh, and that the transfer portal would now basically just be a collegiate version of. Uh, free agency. Uh, you know, who knows where that's going to lead. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 18 bracket rather than the 12 team, uh, but that's just me. But uh, the powers to be and the the, uh, the smart people will get together and they'll come up with a plan, uh, but it will change the landscape of, of college football. Uh, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, I mean, we have that with the uh, the FCS teams, but now you're talking about the Power Five conferences. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's going to be hard. I mean, it, uh, somebody's going to have to come up with some type of a formula uh, on how these people are going to make it and who gets it, if they're going to add buys in there. And there's still a lot of talking that that needs to be done and. Uh, they're going to have to put this on the table and, and iron all these things out. And it's just going to be a lot uh, to deal with, especially with a 12-team bracket, if, they, if that's the way they decide to go. 
you know, and, and as someone I know that just loves the game, and uh, any concern for you that that many teams getting in? Because you know, we always hear about college football. What makes it different than any other sport is the regular season matters so much. Every game matters. Every single week's a big game. Any any fear is you that we'll lose some of that? Well, I think that a lot of these teams from the Power Five conferences that uh, they might not want to see some of these smaller schools or some of these schools that they're not used to playing because uh, some of these guys may come in there and whoop up on them. So uh, that may be a, a shock to some of these bigger programs when they have some of these smaller programs come in there and, and beat them. Then uh, th- things will be way different when things like that happen. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I, I kind of had wrote down like what are some of the things that you know that we would be seeing with this. I mean, the six highest conference champions would get in, so and there's not a guarantee that all Power Five get the end, and you've got six at large. I one problem when I read it that I had it kind of issued just as a fan. I, I'm actually I'm I'm not big on twelve. Eight, I would have been happy with twelve. I'm not. I just think that's too many. That's going from four to twelve. That's too big for jump. That's just my opinion. Uh, but one thing is, okay, if you are a top four seed, you don't get a home game in this th- thing because the first round will be at the higher seeds home. But then the next round, we go neutral sites because, of course, they you know want to protect the bowl games. So, so that's kind of one of the things. I was like, okay, so for instance, this year we talk about Georgia. They're uh, high expectations. Say they, if twelve team was implemented this year, which it's not, uh, and they were a number four seed, they couldn't play a home game at Athens. I'm just saying, like you know, the big schools like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, they may never get to host a playoff game because they're going to do go that way in the next round and put them in neutral site. So that that's one of the things I kind of had a little bit issue with when I was reading the the talk of what's going on with this whole thing. Oh, I I totally agree with you. Um... That is a big jump from 4 to 12. Uh, and a lot of people look at this as a, as a, uh, a money grab, a power grab, uh, when it comes to wanting you know, uh, to increase it that much. And possibly so. I mean, uh, college athletics over the last year, year and a half, has lost a lot of money. Yeah, they have. You know, it, it's, it's hard not to... Uh, look at the almighty dollar and, and, and see, hey, which is the best uh, format for us where we can make the most money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine ESPN is going to put out some money for uh, to make sure they get all the games. <laughs> they are going to uh, uh, make sure. There's going to be a lot of, I think, for this because, I mean, while at the same time I have kind of on social media gave uh, and let it know my displeasure or I'm not, I wouldn't say displeasure. I'm just, I would have preferred not to go to 12 8 or maybe even just six but at the end of the day we will be getting more games and that first round will be good and like you said we're going to see some big boys are going to see some smaller teams they're not used to seeing like a cincinnati or a coastal carolina or you know teams like that that in the past hey hey we didn't get a shot i am happy for those schools that are they're now going to get that opportunity that you know to lace them up a central florida you know they were claiming national title a few years ago so that, that that's going to be the fun part of it like you said you know seeing those smaller schools get an opportunity to perhaps knock off the big boys oh absolutely and then uh they're going to want to change the format again <laughs> 
I tell you when they're going to want to change the format when we when you get four or five SEC teams in there, then the other conferences are going to start jumping up and down, not getting upset because there's too many SEC teams in there. That that will be tough, and it, it, that's one of the things that uh, we've always heard uh, that you know the SEC gets the preferential treatment, and I mean to play within the Southeastern Conference, uh, it, it's tough. To, I mean, we, we saw that last year with uh, basically an all-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's tough to, to make it through, and it, it's, all, it's like a war of attrition. Uh, you know, who, whoever's team is the uh, healthiest, that, that typically is the team that wins. And they go throughout a, the season and beat up on each other. And, you know, I was uh... – reading and I, I was looking at some stuff too just say you know we'll just pull back the curtain or get in the time machine say if you had a 12 team playoff this past year you would have got four teams in because you would have had alabama texas a&m florida and georgia would have got in and i'm just saying the way georgia was playing toward the end of the year that would have been a team nobody wanted to deal with you know that that would have been an interesting team uh for teams to play and you would have cincinnati would in there of course georgia who georgia played in their bowl game and then florida wouldn't have had half their team decide not to play in their bowl game if they were in a playoff game you know we saw what happened with them in oklahoma so it you know the sec would have you know would have had a shot at multiple teams perhaps getting up there and playing for a title not just you know alabama as it turned out yeah, that that that's always going to be uh, an issue with people, uh, and it's going to be hard. I mean, you know, you got a, a, a two-loss SEC team versus a one-loss uh, team from somewhere else, Pac-10, whatever, Big Ten. Uh, you know, a lot of people will lean towards the SEC team based on the strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but hey. We've seen the commercials, Troy. It just means more. <laughs> you know, I, I'm honestly uh, I'm thankful that it will not be me in there putting the uh, the brackets together. Me too, as well. I'm just glad that, I get that's, it. That's a job. I don't think I would love. I, I would enjoy whatsoever. <laughs> Hey, I, I'm glad I'm not I'm not part of that uh, process, but I'm glad I have the uh, the the space to talk about it. So that's that's always going to be the uh, fun part of every week. Um, you know, and, you know, kind of wrap things up, kind of you know, before I let you go here. And I'll, like I said, once again, I do appreciate uh, you taking the time out once again to come on the show. Uh, just uh, for people out there listening, like maybe just you know, first time listening to the show, you know, because you're getting ready to go to the the CEM Sports event, you know, with autographs and all that stuff. Uh, what what are you up to now? Well, I'm actually um, in enemy territory. I'm uh, a little bit south of Columbia, South Carolina, in a little town called Swansea, uh, visiting my in-laws. They're uh, in their 80s, and um, it's important that um, my wife and I make this trip, uh, especially now. Um, I know it's probably not what you want to hear, but my my wife lost... uh, her brother in a car accident on January 15th of this year and Mark did uh, everything for his mom and dad and now um, we're having to substitute and make trips back and forth so that's a big part of my 
weekly and monthly schedule is making trips up here to take care of family. Um, but it is in enemy territory up here with uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, I was joking around with them the other day and told them I think I was going to drive up to Columbia to teach the team how to play some football. <laughs> uh, they uh, they are probably hoping to be a little bit better under Shane Beamer uh, than they have been like you know last year too. So that'd uh, be interested with them as well. Uh, but uh, anyways, Troy. Uh, I do, uh, I do appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate you coming on the show, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun uh, at the, the CM Sports event uh, there in Warner Robins on June 26th. Again, it's, all, it's always a pleasure to come on your show, and I am looking forward to uh, this event down in Warner Robins. There's going to be a lot of, of great players that are going to be down there. There's a lot of sponsors that are getting behind this, and uh, I think it's going to be an exciting day. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. I hope everybody can uh, find a little bit of a time they can carve out in their schedule. Come on out and meet some of these players. They are a fantastic uh, group of guys. And a lot of them are legends. I mean, Otis Nixon, for crying out loud. I remember watching him with the Atlanta Braves and uh, uh, some of the things that he did, plays he made in the outfield stolen bases i mean it, it, it's he's a legend in the atlanta area and we're hoping that our atlanta braves uh can get back to those glory days yeah absolutely uh you know a lot of people hope for another world series title and uh like just, just like i said you know the names at this event you know you heard it at the top of this interview uh a lot of a lot of big big names out there for uh, people especially you know in the state of georgia that they should uh, recognize and and Troy, uh, you are one of them, and I like I, I always say, I do appreciate you coming on the show, and I look forward to doing doing this again sometime down the road. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, look, looking forward to the next time. Go dogs! All right, thanks again to Troy Sadowski uh, for coming on, and I make, make sure to make it out to Warner Robins, Georgia, if you can on June twenty sixth. Really, really great event, and uh, hoping to have another. Uh, former Georgia Bulldog on the podcast next week that will be there sign autographs so please uh, uh, check out the podcast next week go check that out on June 26th a couple weeks ago this was before I got COVID and I told you guys about that last week that's why I was pretty much out for three weeks on the podcast I was going to do a Q&A and I had a couple questions uh, from people on Facebook and Twitter uh, wanted me to talk here on the podcast SEC related stuff as well and after we get done with these questions, I got some uh, news for you guys for this podcast as well. Uh, but the first question was Brandon Eiserman, regular on the show. Of course, he covers LSU over at Last World on College Football. Uh, he said, talk about Arkansas's chances to be above 500 this year. They've got a pretty good roster. And of course, Arkansas, they were 3-7 and seven last year. But you can tell a complete culture change. They were Sam Pittman in his first year. Uh, the team has a brand new identity, toughness. They believe uh, they can win any game. Uh, they're not going to back down from any opponent with him. You know, offensive line is going to be good there as well. I mean, they do lose Felipe Franks, and they also lose Rakeem Boyd, who left the team uh, during the year. Uh, Traylon Smith is the running back coming back. He's a tremendous player. Uh, and KJ Jefferson uh, shows some great things in the Missouri game. But when we look at the schedule for Arkansas, they open with Rice. So I will put that, you know, that's a game they should win. Now you play Texas. Now that's going to be an interesting game there. And I, I do believe that could be a winnable game 
for Arkansas because Texas, Sam Ellinger, he's gone. And Steve Sarkeesian is implementing what he wants there. Um, and this game is in Arkansas. And that will be huge for this one. And it'll be a huge game for Arkansas. really could be a program-building win. And you say, well, Texas isn't Texas right now. No, but where Arkansas had been, um, even though I say, yes, the the attitude and the momentum of the program has changed under Sam Pittman, they still went 3-7 and seven last season. And, I mean, it was a tough year for everybody. So try not to use COVID as the excuse there. So getting a winning at Texas would be huge. I think that's a toss-up game for me uh georgia southern's next that's another game you can win my georgia southern's gonna be tough the sun belt there's several teams in the sun belt that are tough and can beat the big teams if the big teams some of the big big name teams let me rephrase that big name teams if they're not careful so georgia southern if arkansas does not come in with the right attitude and then if you did beat texas you're kind of on the high if you're two and oh you just you know momentum and this is college and you know you thinking really good of yourself that could be a trap. But Georgia Southern is a team I think Arkansas should beat. So that's two wins I think for sure they have. I think they can beat Texas, but that's kind of a toss-up for me. Uh, they'll play Texas A&M, of course. They're gonna, that's a neutral site game. I, Texas A&M will win that one. Then they play at Georgia. I like Georgia in that one. And they're at, they're, they will go to Ole Miss. So that's three and three, in my opinion, at best right now for Arkansas. Then you play Auburn. That's a game that's going to have a lot of – energy and revenge on your mind if you're Arkansas because what happened at the end of last year's game. I'm going to lean Auburn here. So I see Arkansas potential there at 3-4 and four at this point in the season. Arkansas Pine Bluff, you should win that one. Mississippi State, you can beat Mississippi State. You can miss Mississippi State definitely as a win. Uh, so that's 5-4. and four. So now we're getting down here to Brandon's question. Can they finish over 500? You're at LSU next. I, do think, I don't think they beat LSU. I do not think they beat Alabama after that. So now you're at five and six. You have Missouri next. I believe you can beat Missouri. So that's six and six. Then the bowl game. So to, for them to get over 500, I believe they're going – the best case scenario for this team in the regular season is to go six and six. And then after that, win your bowl game and go seven and six. All right, another question that was asked was by Greg Phillips. Now, this was on Twitter. And he goes, does Mississippi State improve this year or will Leach flame out? Oh, Leach flame out. I don't think he flames out in year two, but something that's got to change is the offensive line. Offensive line did not play well uh, for Mississippi State. Whoever was at quarterback struggled. And at other than the first game with uh, K.J. Costello played against LSU in that game where he threw for 623 yards and that big upset. And remember, we all were saying, oh, wow, Mississippi State, this thing is going to travel. Uh, the Mike Leach offense is going to work here in the SEC. And then we saw the offense. The offense was pretty bad for a good chunk of the rest of the season. End of the year, it got better with Real, Will Rogers, uh, their quarterback. Uh, but the key is for this offense, offense line, is going to have to be better. They're going to protect the quarterback better. I do think Mike Leach is going to have to alter his offense a little bit with a little bit more running, not you know, not nothing crazy. I'm not saying he's got to turn to the wishbone and just turn around and run the ball a lot. I mean, but just enough to get the pressure off the quarterback because I just don't know if this conference, if you can sit there and just throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it without even attempting to run the ball. So he's going to have to do that. Mississippi State actually defensively was not horrible last year, and they played close with Georgia. Georgia only beat them 31-24. They lost a close game to Ole Miss, who is a team a lot of people are looking for to this year, Blaine Kiffin year two there with that program. 
So Mississippi State is, you know, they're going offensive line. We can't really expect them to be. I mean, I just sat here and said their defense was not horrible at times. But we can't rely on the Mississippi State defense. We want to see this offense. We want to see the Mike Leach offense at full force there in Starkville. Offense line, that's where it's got to start. The offense line has got to be much better. I did it with Arkansas, so I'm going to do it here. Look at the schedule. Louisiana Tech, that, that'll be tough. Louisiana Tech can put some points. Then you got NC State and at Memphis. You look at that, that is, that is not an easy start for Mississippi State. You need to get some wins there. Win two of those three. I don't see them going three and zero there. Uh, like I said, losing to Tech, NC State may be tough. Then you play LSU. I mean, that's a loss there. So maybe two and two at A and M. You're going to lose there, at, and then you got Alabama. You're going to lose there. So you're looking at two and four right in the face. Then you get at Vanderbilt. So you could probably, I mean, you should beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's the worst team in the conference. You, that's a win there, I would think. Kentucky, tough team. I like Kentucky. I want to see what the new offense was like with the quarterbacks. Um. I mean, it should be a fun game. I mean, this potentially you might could beat Kentucky, so you maybe can get to four and four. If I had to pick that game right now, I would say Kentucky would be where I would lean. But who knows where we're going to be at when we get in late October? Then you got at Arkansas, and I talked, but I think Arkansas wins that game. Uh, at Auburn, we'll see where Auburn's at at that point in the season. Tennessee State, Ole Miss. So, I. Looking at that schedule, I have a hard time seeing Mississippi State being over 500. I see this as a maybe a four and eight or five and seven team. Maybe they can upset enough people where they can get to six and six. A lot of the preseason magazines have them at that record. But as I look at this schedule right now, I just don't see this team as a team with a winning record. And you went four and seven, you know, first year with Mike Leach. If you go five and seven, how's that? How's that going to play? And, and start field. Will they be ready to move on, or will it be okay? Year three is the pivotal year here. But if they can pull out us, now you go three and O with the Louisiana Tech, NC State, and at Memphis, then it's different. Maybe you can get to six and six, get yourself to a bowl game. It's completely their feeling. It's just amazing how a different feeling five and seven and six and six is because six and six, you're going to a bowl game, which you can go at five and seven. Mississippi State did that just a couple of years ago under Dan Mullen in one of his final years there. But it's one of them. Mississippi State's got to offense line. I'm just going to go back to that. That's just kind of where I'm just going to circle back to on this on this topic. And if they get that straight, maybe they can get to six and six. But that it's just you know you got to take those steps because it's a completely different thing. What you're doing there since Mike Leach has come in and uh, taken over the offense and really overhauling it and for what you were doing before. And uh, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Philip Jordan Podcast. Now, I told you guys there would be an announcement before I started that segment. And what that is, uh, since I, when I joined, oh, it's been an interesting year uh, since the calendar turned over 2021. I got the awesome opportunity to cover the National Championship game for last year on college football. I had some some health stuff that's been happening in march and then of course i had covid at the end of may so i kind of put a hold on it. that's why there's been so much inconsistency here at the podcast here in 2021 i'm hoping a lot of this stuff is behind us and behind me and uh, we can get on a consistent kind of schedule at least once a week right now i haven't decided if i'm gonna do more than one a week during the when we get to football season but once a week right now and of course, this, the the name of this this year has has really taken some changes. Of course, it went from talking SEC. That's what it was for two and a half years, and then SEC brawl that was short lived. 
then I joined Blue Wire, and I said, Blue Wire Hustle. So let's go to Philip Jordan Podcast. But I will let you guys know something in the coming weeks. Here, I'm still staying with Blue Wire Hustle. That's not changing. But the, the show name will revert back to Talking SEC, the original name of the podcast. Uh, there's some people out there that may be rejoicing right now hearing that. So it's going to be an all-SEC show. But it's pretty much been that. Yeah, it's the Phil Jordan Podcast. Experimented with that. Kind of didn't work out with just my name. Not a big enough star yet uh, to have that work for me. But but uh, in the coming weeks, you'll see it when the change happens. It'll be there. You'll you'll hear the old intro from David Summers. I went and got that. I got all the old intros ready and ready to go when we do it start. But I, the little teaser thing I've been doing with Phil Jordan Podcast, I will continue that when we revert the name back to Talking SEC. Uh, but I'll let you guys know when the official um, name change, revert, whatever you want to call it, uh, will, will occur. And uh, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I'm recording this late on a Monday night, and I am going to bed. I am tired, and I, I will be back next week and uh, talking more SEC football. I hope you guys will join me. I really, really enjoy doing this podcast. And let's get some questions in. That was fun. I like answering those questions. I mean, I know those were from several weeks ago, but maybe I'll, I'll call out to that from now on every week. Uh, some some questions to answer here at the end of the podcast. Uh, guys, remember, you can follow me on social media, at P. Jordan SEC. Uh, the podcast is all over the place. Blue Wire Hustle, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review it means so much when you do that. You know, if you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show. You guys know you can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. If you also want to, you know, contact me when you question anything there. And let's just, uh, as I always say, let's be good to each other, respect each other, love each other. Huge thank you to our firefighters, police officers, um, military, first responders, you know, all the real heroes out there. Thank you for everything that you do. Uh, you know, you mean so much and you do such a great job. And I don't, you know, sometimes you probably don't get the appreciation and the praise that you deserve. Uh, but like I said, you are the real heroes and a big thank you to you. And uh, I hope everybody has a fantastic week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>